Hello, I'm Daniel. It's nice to be back, even under strange circumstances. We're going to be continuing our series in CE this week in Romans 8. So we're going to be looking at verses 17 and 18. So if you could turn to that, that might be helpful. So Romans 8, verses 17 to 18. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What is your hope? When we consider all that you hope in, all that you look forward to, and all the sufferings that you might face in your life, which one's bigger? Which one wins? That's the question that Paul addresses in these two verses. We looked last week at the fact that we're God's children, and Paul unpacks that a little bit more in these verses. He says, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We're not just his children, we're heirs. We have an inheritance. We have access to the inheritance of God. We're fellow heirs with Christ. What does that actually mean? Let's put some meat in those bones. Um, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 says, Jesus is the heir of all things. He's the owner, the ruler, the creator of all things. And we are fellow heirs with him. This means everything on earth. In Psalms, in Psalm 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. In Psalm 2, verse 8, it says, Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. It's a pretty big inheritance, but there's even more talks about heaven, inheritance of things of heaven. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says, we're born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. We inherit all that is God's. But even more than that, even bigger, greater, better than all of that, we inherit God. Not just all that God has made and all that God has done, but God himself. We're his and he's ours. And there's two passages that really stand out in unpacking that a bit more. In Psalm 73, verse 25 to 26, it says, whom have, I, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And then later in Revelation 21, verse 3, which is a picture of new heaven and the new earth, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. It's not just things that God has made. Even more importantly, what this passage tells us is we inherit God. Lamentations 3:24, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So in Paul's answer to what is hope, it's this. It's an inheritance in God, inheritance of the things of God. And to be fair, that's pretty big. It's a pretty big, immeasurable, unquantifiable hope. Something to look forward to, something to try and find true and real, lasting joy in. But he adds a qualification. He says, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. It's a conditional statement. If we're to share in Christ's inheritance, if we're to share in his glory, 
we must also share in his sufferings. It's the idea of Luke chapter 9, verse 23, when Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Or Peter, um, 1 Peter chapter 4, 13, which says, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. John Piper puts it best. He says, No pain, no gain. No cross, no crown. No suffering, no inheritance. That's the way it is. If you're a Christian, you're choosing to suffer. There will be pain. There will be hurt. Paul is addressing Christians here, but when he's talking about suffering, the passage suggests he's talking more than just persecution. He talks later in the section about um, creation groaning as though in the pains of childbirth. It suggests that we suffer um, with Christ in our persecution, but also in our illnesses, in our disease, in hurt, and in death. It's probably quite easy to see suffering today. I don't know what experiences you might have of suffering or those around you. Um, you may have heard, uh, you may have noticed we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and I think it's fair to say that a lot of our modern illusions of, of grandeur or of the permanence of our lives have kind of been shattered. They've sort of dissolved the way. Life is fleeting and fragile. All that you work for, everything that you strive to do, will one day be forgotten. It will one day be taken away, lost in the mists of time. If that sobers you, upsets you, depresses you, can I suggest that maybe your hope is in earthly things rather than the heavenly things that this passage is suggesting? If you have your hope set on earthly things, you'll get earthly rewards. But that's also part of what our suffering can bring and how God can use it. It shifts our perspective off of ourselves, off of things of the earth and onto him. Ortland Jr. says, pain burns the superficiality out of us. We are released from bondage to earthly imperatives and intensified in our yearnings for eternal things. In suffering, we can discover how sweet God really is. When we suffer, we see the world and we see ourselves for what they truly are. In our suffering, we can turn to God and rely on him above all else. So Paul says in verse 17, he weighs it up. He concludes, he weighs up everything that he hopes in and everything that he sees and will experience and suffer. And he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. It's not even close. It's not a fair fight. Our suffering is big. Paul doesn't minimize that. He doesn't pretend that suffering isn't real. He doesn't pretend that suffering can hurt or is a major issue in people's lives. He just says that the hope in Christ is so much bigger. Our inheritance as heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, is so much better. I wonder if that's your perspective. I wonder how comfortable you are with what Paul says. 
I wonder if you can join with him and say, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Another passage that says something quite similar is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, which says, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I hope you find that helpful. Um, Please join us again next week where we'll continue to study in Romans 8.